Welcome to Elder Voices, a four-episode podcast of stories and ideas from elders and about elderhood from within Mi'kmaq, African Nova Scotian, Acadian, and Gaelic communities. For those of us in Anglo-Settler communities who have lost the tradition of elderhood, this is an invitation to listen, learn, and remember. For all of us, these voices will offer a window into ways of life in Mi'kma'ki that are different from our own. I am Amanda Bostland, and this is a project of How We Thrive. Elder Voices was made possible through the Department of Seniors and Long-Term Care and was recorded and produced in Mi'kma'ki, the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people. We are all treaty people. During this episode, we get a glimpse into the Acadian community in West Pubnico. I traveled there to meet Laurent D'Entremont to talk with him about elderhood, and also to catch his book launch at the museum of his latest book called The Man in the Wrinkled Suit. Well, my name is Laurent D'Entremont. I date back to 1941, which makes me an elder, as you say. <laughs> when I grew up, we spoke French for the first 10 years of our lives. But I don't remember not understanding English. Our parents would speak English, but thinking kids didn't understand, but we always did. I went to school to grade eight. Then I went at the Yarmouth Vocational School, where it was a great experience, especially improving our English. And during lobster season, I went lobster fishing as helper aboard lobster boats. And then in summertime, in the off-season, we worked in the building trade. Many of us did the same thing. It was more or less a tradition. Eventually, we went to build a credit union building. The manager was 70 years old. He wanted to quit. Nobody wanted the job. They offered me the job. I took it. They said, try it for three weeks. I stayed there 14 years. All the while, I was doing some freelance writing. I was in a parade in my Model T, and Fred Hatfield, who was editor of the Vanguard, was there, so I gave him a ride, and he asked me to write stories for the Vanguard, which I did. So freelance writing was always good good for me. I got involved in antique cars about 40 years ago. I assembled three Model Ts from parts, and I have a, a Cub tractor that I've had for over 40 years. When I got it, lots of the old farmers were still living. They had gotten rid of their oxen. So that's how I paid the tractor. That was another one of my sidelines. Uh. In a nutshell, I suppose. that. But I liked doing stand-up comedy, as you realized this afternoon. Oh, that was very funny. <laughs> they, they liked, I liked to spin a few stories. Yeah, I talk about the old days and what it was like and the jokes I told today, I'll repeat those. They had heard those jokes 50 times before, but they still laugh. <laughs> yeah. It's like a country singer. He sings the same songs over and over and over again. People don't complain, so I do the same with jokes. I enjoyed a good conversation with Laurent. But before we get to that, I want first to share a compilation of voices of some other people I was honored to meet before Laurent's book launch. You'll first hear folks talking about the role of elders within their Acadian community. 
Well, we elders usually um, have a wealth of information, um, especially our Acadian culture. We have always maintained a uh, a link to our ancestors so we we keep we keep information and we pass on information um acadians are known to recognize and know their ancestry very well when you're asked who you are you always say i am so and so off and you rattle off your parents, your grandparents, your grandmothers, your granddads. So we have we have that link to the past that I think that most the the older people, the seniors, um, we protect that. We we're we're proud of that as as Acadians. Elders is not a word that we use much in the Acadian culture. Um, we 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 speak of our grandparents. We call them grandpères, grandmères, mémères, pépères, but we go, we don't use the, the term. We are elders, but we don't use that term specifically. I think that I learned lots of old French words that I wouldn't know now if I hadn't had that grandmère to tell me the old French words. Uh, they're not, they're like the old French as it was spoken in France before the ancestors moved here. And apparently there are some parts of France where they're still used. But there's all kinds of different words like that where I, I feel that I wouldn't know all those old words if I hadn't had an old grandmother to, to teach them to me. When you think about uh, making butter, making bread, cookies, molasses cookies, um, gooseberry jam with molasses cookies. I mean, those are all things that they did, so uh, they know the technique. You find strength in those that's going to help you, in those that uh, have passed through uh, different things at a certain age. I mean, you've had your children, you had your work, um, probably the death of your parents, and it keeps on, it get, makes you stronger, and it makes you uh, realize how home life is um, with all the family around. When you think of people that went out west, some people went out west to work, to find work. What was missing in their environment was the home life. Their parents weren't there. Uh, some of their friends were there. Some stayed for their work, but others came back. And that was one of the drawing cards to, for them to come back because of the strong uh, bonds they had with, their, uh, with the community. I would say that my grandmother is typical of the Acadian woman because they kind of ran the show. They had to because the husband, they were fishermen or farmers or they were always away doing something. And um, my grandmother, I, the memory I have the most about her is she kept discipline with a broom. And if people came by and they weren't behaving, the broom came out. You know, just the fact that the women had to maintain the discipline and maintain the, you know, I had six uncles who were all fishermen and they didn't go to school. My mom was the only one that actually went to school. So they were all illiterate. Very, very um, 
capable men, though. One was an engineer on a boat. Um, so, but they were the the they were mom's brothers. So the you know the grand my grandmother she was responsible a lot of the time for making sure that the family survived and kept going. Uh, women are definitely uh, the the people that you go to that have survived all these things and that you can rely on. For me, uh, an elder would be wise, would be um, of the land. So teaching, farming, um, we're in a fishing village here, so fishing, um, and both men and women would be our elders. So as a as a person now in honoring my ancestry I look to the elders to show me a way of life that I can incorporate now to make my world better. Because I think that we're losing a part of that now, that life. The ancestors they 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 teach us how to live now. I think just to add to what Grace is saying, I think the ancestors too, or the elderly, um, they're the ones that really help um, continue the traditions. And I know that our grandfather used to always go and get Easter water, which would have been from a certain stream flowing a certain way at Easter time, and that's what they would get some water and get it blessed. Um, my grandmother, when we were kids, we would uh, dig clams at the point and she would freak out because it was a month without an R because it was July or August. And in their time before refrigeration, that was seen as bad because they couldn't refrigerate them so they would spoil. Now, we had fridges here, so we would always say to her, oh, Granny, that's just an old wives' tale. But she would always like, ah, oh, it's a month without an R. But then she'd help us, you know, shuck the clams, and um, we'd have a clam bake. And so I think a lot of the traditions, baking bread, um, you know, it's not something my mom taught me. No, it was, and I bake bread, <laughs> but it wasn't my mom that taught me. My mom didn't teach me sewing either. However... That being said, mom, who is still living, is a very wise woman and had many cherished times with her grandchildren teaching them about the wise ways. With my mom, she was the grandma who took them places, showed them things, the sap on the trees. The medicines. The medicines, yeah. Like she would just always be teaching them stuff, bring them to the seashore, collecting the, the you know, the uh, sea glass, you know, helping them build pictures and stuff. So she really did become that sort of what our grandmother was to us. She became that to our kids. And they all really acknowledged that about her. What is something that you would like to pass on to the younger generation or hope that stays strong uh, within your my culture? Language. Mm -hmm. The French language, my, my native language. Yeah. Uh, we, we find that is being eroded um, quite drastically, actually, uh, even though we have more resources today um, devoted to um, the preservation of the language and the culture. Mm. 
there are also more we're more influenced by other things that happen in the surrounding areas and in the country it's a it's a more global society today uh-huh. so um yeah that's i think my language would be the the number one thing that uh, and with the language of course comes mm-hmm. the, the heritage and the culture so okay there are so many things that change since our time like they don't do cursive writing and I think it's a terrible, terrible loss. Um, also, like all the words that we have lost. For me, it's cooking. I like to cook, and I like to bake bread and try different recipes. But the cookbook is important, and it's important for them to see when they look through the cookbook, there's splotches on the pages of, you know, maybe uh, fingers that, from turning the page. So it's used, the book is used, but there's tradition. You might have in your own handwriting, this was a really good recipe, or I've added this to the recipe to make it more my own. But to me, it's cooking and sewing and knitting, these are skills that are coming back to the young kids today. And I think these are important. Uh, Traditional crafts that are coming back, which is nice to see. And for me, I'm a storyteller. And so I grew up hearing about my Acadian heritage. And I think that um, now, you know, in my 60s, I'm writing that story. And I think the thing is that when we can make history come alive through stories, then it resonates more with um, people. And, and I think that the Acadian story in particular is a, is a Canadian story, and it's not well known outside of Nova Scotia. Not even all, uh, you know, once you get to the other side of Nova Scotia, they don't really know about the Acadian story as much. So I think that the more we can share those stories and write them down. And um, if they become known across the country, I think that's a really positive thing. And the the women are amazing. And we come almost once a week, once, once or twice a week, and we meet with the women that are quilting. And there's another art that is coming back. And it's wonderful to hear their stories because they're elders. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're learning from the women in this community about our heritage because they knew our grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's enriching. It's, it's, it's alive. The history is there. And we're learning the history of our past. Yes. Yes, we've done our lineages. And so, you know, when you really start to delve into your lineage and realize that, you know, on the Belleville side, you're going back 11 generations. On the Amuro side, you're going back nine generations to get to France. But the rest are all in Canada. So, but I think here too, like, you know, from the women, we're meeting people who we have all these stories, and then they add a different perspective to them. So I, I write poetry, and I had written a poem about uh, monikers, you know, so nicknames. And, you know, there was Step and a Half, and, and I remember 
my grandmother saying step and a half, but they have the name of the person and who it was and why it was like step and a half. And so you sort of get a different perspective on something that you've heard about. Another guy was La Poivre. Well, they said, oh, yeah, well, he had a real temper. And, you know, so Poivre is pepper. (laughs) So, you know, it's just interesting when you hear from the community here who um, can give a different side to a story that our parents told us Mm -hmm. about people. To put the values of the the elders, um, it's in literacy, and they all wrote stories. Most of their stories are so cherished, like it's, uh, they wrote about when they were small, they wrote about an event. Um, It's wonderful to be able to share, and without writing all these little stories, those stories would be lost. Because if you don't go ask those questions, um, who will be able to answer all those? You will not remember. Uh, I do belong to a museum and a research center, so I see it very important to record the people, the things they did. Um, it's fascinating. We do not live in the same... Um, yeah, it's almost like a different lifestyle. So it's nice to remember what our parents and grandparents went through. I have uh, 60 stories in this book. Many of these have never been told before. <laughs> the, the man in the regal suit I, I met when I was working for the Great Union 40 years ago. And uh, it taught me a lesson that you shouldn't judge a book by its wrinkled stool. <laughs> and I have a story about old words. My grandmother used to talk about the body of syrup. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it is? Yeah. 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 When they milked the cow, there was a bench behind their house and they would put the milk on top of one. The so congratulations on your, your seventh book. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I hear that everyone you think is your last. Yeah, everyone is my last book. <laughs> so I guess, first of all, would you refer to elders? Is that the word you would use, or how would you describe this well, role? Well, when we think of elders, we think of the, the native people who have been here for centuries before us. Mm. Uh, here it's just the the fishermen, they talk about the grandfather clause in, in fishing, you know. If a fishing license has been issued from the grandfather to the father to the son and so on, we, we don't use the word elders. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why not. It, it certainly would fit as well to Acadians as to anybody else. So what would you say the role is in your culture? Well, like at the museum here, they meet every every week to do some quilting and stuff like that. And mm. some of the men uh, meet at, at Dennis Point Cafe there every afternoon or at the Red Cap or at the Wharf or uh-huh. or someplace. And years ago, the men would whittle, the older men would whittle lobster plugs. And people live older now and 
I I still make a garden. I have a tractor. I do some gardening. My grandfather was a great storyteller, and I, he was my hero. He, and uh, I grew up in his house for the first six years of my life, and uh, he had a farm with cows and so on. So I, that's the world I grew up in. And he had been a sea captain during the First World War and before. And he would talk about the days of sail, and I would remember all those stories. Why do you think it's important for the younger generations to know these stories? Well, it's good that you don't want to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. And and it's good that you know what your father or grandfather or great-grandfather did back in, in what I call the old days. Uh... Many people don't even know what year their parents were born and stuff like that. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's good to know your family history. I don't know. I saved it. When I started writing, I spoke with Evelyn Richardson, who had the book, We Keep a Light. Maybe you heard of her. And uh, she told me, keep the, keep the little stories. Desiree Dion, who had the French newspaper, told me the same thing. He said... Big history will take care of itself. He said, it's the small stories that will be lost. And Silver Donald Cameron also told me that. Hmm. So I saved the little stories. People I write write about never knew that they would be in books, you know. Right, and their stories would have been lost otherwise, maybe. Maybe it's not very important that my grandfather and his French Reggie would drink beer in the barn, but it adds to the story. It adds something to the story. It shows the type of life they did. I, I, I suppose my grandmother didn't like that they drink beer, so they drank it in the barn. I'm sure she smelled it. <laughs> uh, I agree that's really important. I, I was speaking to um, a Gaelic woman, in Cape Breton, and I was asking her about yeah. the role of elders, you know, in the Gaelic community, and then she introduced me to yeah. to someone, an elder, and uh, she was saying that she feels like she's transported into the past, like it's a way of time travel, yeah. of understanding yeah. who she is and where she came from. Yeah, yeah. So I imagine you're you're providing that too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a memory that you can share with me about how you were uh, guided or supported by by a, a grandpere, grandmère in your life? Oh, yeah. When, when I was a kid, my grandfather was my hero, whatever. I thought, someday I'm going to be a farmer. Well, I never was a farmer. I still do some farming 75 years after that. So, so uh yeah, they they had a simple life. They they enjoyed things that were, you know, you don't need to go to the Bahamas every day in every spring if you don't want to. Mm. You you can find joy just on the family farm or walking on shore. I used to walk on shore with my grandfather quite a bit. <sighs> I still like to walk on shore. I still walk for an hour every morning. Do you? Yeah. Wow. So what do you think that the elders are able to bring to your community that can't be found elsewhere? Well, certainly the ladies would do some quilting here. 
argue that that. At the Arcadian village, some of the older people will show how to make baskets or how to make an eel trap with wood instead of wire. How to milk a cow, you know, that sort of stuff that younger people don't know. Yeah. Can you take us to a moment when a younger person came to you to learn about something that they... Oh, yeah. I have a, a niece who lives in Digby County, and she does some research for the University of St. Anne, and she came to see me many times about how things were in the 1940s and, and so on. When I grew up, the world that I grew up in was the same world that my mother or her mother grew up in. People still had hand pumps. They still made butter with churns, you know. They they still made hay and plant gardens, and Mm. it was the old ways. So young people and students who have projects at school, they come and see me sometime, and I tell them stories about how it was. So you've lived through quite a transition time where you... Definitely. I think we're the last generation who saw the old ways. Hmm. Those of us who were born in the 1940s. Yeah. What do you think it's important for the younger generations to know that they might forget? Well, I think, I, I believe, see, to this generation, they only saw prosperity because... Lobster fishing has been extremely good, and ground fish has been good. So so what they saw was a world of abundance where money was no object. This is a very rich village because fishing has been successful. But when I grew up, people like my grandfather were just eating from hand to mouth with fishing. It's important for today's people to know that they should be careful that things might not always remain the way they are now. Hmm. Lobsters are moving away because the grounds, the, the climate warming will be a big problem. And the lobsters are moving away from our grounds and going up north where the water is colder. Hmm. So in 10 or 15 years' time, lobstering might be the same as it was in my grandfather's day. Right. So are there ways that you think that people can help prepare themselves? Yeah, they will have to go fish where the the fish is. And what happened was the price of fish went up and fishing was good. And they kept building bigger boats and bigger boats and they went further out and Mm. bigger lobster catches and so on, which, which was good. So... Our people who were living from hand to mouth in my grandfather's day now are are amassing a, a little fortune. And normally people with money would be people with what they call education. It depends how you define the word. Mm-hmm. To me, if a man went fishing for 50 years, he was certainly educated in his trade, the same as a school teacher who went to college or five years or whatever to become a teacher. Yeah. <clears throat> you learn you learn by doing, so yeah, they they did well. Fishing was good. And I hope it stays this way for a while. Hmm. But I sometimes wonder that 
global warming might have an effect on us. Yeah. So I think there is a lot of wisdom we can get from the older people to yeah. help us prepare for maybe how to live a harder life. Or- yeah. Yeah, it'd be good if people who have land learn how to grow crops and how to save them. I grow all my, my own potatoes. It costs a mint to buy potatoes at the co-op. They're only half as good as mine. Mm-hmm. So I grow lots of potatoes, beans, stuff like that. Are there uh, people around that are wanting to learn uh, oh, learn yeah. from you how to farm, or do a lot of farming still oh, happen? Oh, yeah, lots of people have gardens nowadays. Is there something that gives you confidence in the future of your community? Oh, yeah, people... The children who go to school learn two languages, so so once they go out for jobs, they, many of them will leave West Pamlico and, and go to Halifax or Toronto or Montreal or in the States or someplace. Yeah. And being bilingual will, will be good. And uh, as I said, lots of people were farming and so on, which is also good. So I think we'll survive. I imagine it would help also being part of such a close-knit community and knowing everybody. Yeah, when somebody has problems, I tell <clears throat> them that houses burned down, but one burned down a few year, a few months ago. Hmm. Or people who are sick and sick and down and out, they do fundraisers and and everybody helps everybody, so... Our churches, sadly, will close, though. Nobody goes to church anymore. Oh. I go about once every two months. Hmm. I could go more often, but I went on my life. <laughs> now that I'm old, I, I don't go so often as I used to. I see. Is there another story you'd like to share with me about this idea of uh, elders or grandpere, grandmère, however we should call it? I wish I had a better French accent, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, well, I have a story about my grandmother's kitchen. And my my grandmother had a stove, a wood-burning stove. On the right end of the stove, there was what they called a hot oven that was filled with water. And then on top of the stove, there was also an oven where they would put wet mittens to dry and so on, or or pies if they wanted to keep them warm until summertime. They had a hand pump. There was the outhouse, which was 50 feet from the house. And uh, my grandfather had two cows and several pigs, and chicken never had to buy eggs. And the chicken will eat the scraps from from the the table, you know. And uh, yeah, the milk came straight from the cow. It wasn't pasteurized. I don't remember people being sick or anything. I think it's good to pass down the old traditions of... And the Acadian village does that. They show how to make molasses cookies, you know, they... We have a haystack there at the village. They, they, they do wagon wheels. We have the women do the Acadian dishes as their grandmother, great grandmother did. Mm. The Acadian dish of rappy pie. 
personally I can do without, but lots of people like it because it's the Acadian dish. Lots of other people will tell you they just as well be eating wallpaper paste, <laughs> and maybe you're one of them yourself. Yeah, I don't like wallpaper paste. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you eaten rappy pie? No, I haven't. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's grated potatoes. Okay. And, uh, oh, it, you know, if you put enough meat in it, it's like the old joke, and how do you eat a, a porcupine? You, you tie it to a board, and then you cook your por porcupine on a pine board, and then you throw the porcupine away and you eat the board. <laughs> but that's about, uh, that's about what you do with it. <laughs> With the Acadian dish in, in my mind, but uh -huh. <laughs> I eat it, but I can't say that I like it. <laughs> okay, you're not the salesperson. And, and I'm not a fussy guy normally, hmm. but I'm not crazy about rappy pie. Okay, well, I, I won't try to uh, get you to be the spokesperson for rappy pie <laughs> not, then. Not at all. <laughs> but how French are we? When I speak English, you understand every word that I say. I do. My English isn't perfect, but it's better than my French. Oh, is it? Yeah. My my English is quite good. I I talk on CBC. Nobody ever complained. Oh, that. no, your English is excellent. I was surprised <laughs> to hear you say it's better than your French, though. It is better than my French. French is a very tough language. Mm. I couldn't write a book in French. Ah. There's all these little marks. There's this past tense and a... All that stuff that that makes it hard. Uh huh. Was but French? You grew up speaking both French and English in your home. Oh yeah. Well, the first ten years of my life, we only spoke French. But uh, but we're surrounded by English communities, so our influence are the English. They they were richer than us when I grew up. Hmm. Now the table is turned. The French people have the money. You know. It, it's not like it was. It's a different world. Yeah. Hmm. That seems like a good lesson in itself that the it always is a different world, isn't it? The world yes, keeps it, it keeps changing. Well, merci beaucoup. Laurent. Très bien, you said that very well. Thank you for listening to Elder Voices, a project of how we thrive. This Elder Voices podcast is leading us into the next phase of our project, which is to host facilitated learning circles where interested folks can make sense together of the lessons and insights from the people we've met. If you may like to be involved in these discussions, please send me a note at the email address amanda at howwethrive.org. To learn more about what else How We Thrive is involved in within the beautiful lands of Mi'kma'ki, find the website at www.howwethrive.org and sign up for the e-newsletter at the bottom of the page. We look forward to you joining us for the other three episodes of Elder Voices.